This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. Yesterday was the first day of Lent. Although my own sense of religious belief and identity is always shifting, I still find a lot of resonance and value in the concept of Lent. In late 2016, early 2017, we started attending an Episcopal parish, and it was my first time being exposed to much of the symbolism and ritual of the liturgical calendar. The changes to the liturgy, and especially the rich symbolism of the events of Holy Week, such as the stripping of the altar on Maundy Thursday, the death of God on Good Friday, and the exultant triumph at the end of the Easter Vigil, are all very powerful experiences. Lent is also a symbolic reenactment of Jesus' fasting and temptation in the desert following his baptism. In that way, Lent is both a practice of denial and affirmation, or at least I understand it as such. Perhaps the better terms are discipline and temptation. I think it's easy to lose the thread and conflate these things. Denial, in a Western American sense, implies denied desire, something one wants, like I irrationally want an iPad mini that I could buy on credit right now. Discipline, on the other hand, implies a choice to delay a desire or to affirm something else. So, in the story of Jesus' temptation in the desert for food, security, and power, his disciplined denial of his desires, and in the case of food, a biological need, we see his response to temptation with an alternate affirmation. And we can see all of these shades of meaning at work in the story. That's the power of these stories. They're malleable. It's this sort of tension in the overall emo-slash-goth-slash-introvert-slash-sad-boy vibes of Lent that appeal to me most and makes it my favorite liturgical season. Even though I do not currently practice it or attend anywhere regularly, and I have an overall contentious relationship with the concept of, divine, of the divine, Lent is in many ways a liminal space, an in-between, a denial and an affirmation. And it's that pairing, denial and affirmation, that I'm reminding, reminded of this year, especially as it relates to post-evangelical matters. In the past several months, there's been a lot of conversation within evangelical circles about deconstruction, about terms like exvangelical, and about the future of the church. Christianity Today published a cover story about deconstruction without mentioning or interviewing a single prominent person who talks about the issue. John Cooper of Skillet wants to declare war on deconstruction. And if we use this combative metaphor, if this is a war, it's incredibly asymmetrical. And white evangelical individuals like Cooper and institutions like Christianity Today have far more resources. Cooper is very likely a millionaire, and Christianity Today has over 110,000 paid subscribers. Most people creating content related to to deconstruction online support themselves with Patreons and day jobs, including me. I have approximately 100 paid subscribers between Patreon and Substack. But beyond the evangelical discussion, there are also persistent conversations about terms like exvangelical in post-evangelical spaces and contexts. Exvangelical is evocative, and for better and worse, has become incredibly popular as an SEO tool and hashtag. 
One person on Twitter recently asked if there were people who were former evangelicals but didn't identify as exvangelical as such. And it garnered hundreds of responses of people saying, well, yes. And that was very enlightening for me. I made it a focus of both this show and my writing that, to me, the term exvangelical has its limits. I understand that it is inherently negative and that it describes a former relationship. It also describes a formative relationship of incredible, incredible significance. As a term, as an identity marker, it is at once a recognition and renunciation of a certain type of belief and belonging. That is significant in and of itself. But it is a denial without a prescribed affirmation. What one chooses to affirm is up to them. And I recognize that people need something to affirm. To quote Dylan in his Jesus people phase, you gotta serve somebody. Or at the very least, you have to find something to affirm. I will also admit my own propensity for wallowing and for motivation through guilt. Freedom from guilt is something that seems to be for others, not for me. My guilt has been transmogrified over the years. It first existed as an existential evangelical guilt for being a terrible sinner, unworthy of God's love or forgiveness, but given it, conditionally. Then it morphed into a type of environmental guilt over climate change and my own complicity in it, followed by a processing of white male privilege. I'm prone to these negative thoughts and to the wallowing they allow. So, I'm turning my attention to that which I can affirm, not merely by apophatic negative descriptions. I affirm that all human life has innate value, and that all other forms of life do too. I affirm that I have value, despite all my shortcomings, despite all the ways I am unfairly advantaged, and that our innate value as humans is equal and shared because we are human. And I find that this resonates with St. Irenaeus' statement that the glory of God is humanity fully alive. I affirm my own understanding of his existence is always evolving, and it is doing so in relation to other people on personal and social levels, and those relations are also evolving. I affirm that each person has a right to explore their own spirituality, and affirm that my work is my own, and that spiritualities can be explored without impinging on one another's autonomy. I affirm that no concept of God is more valuable than seeing the value in life and in people, and affirm that I see that value at work even in the life of Christ. I affirm that powerful groups like those including white evangelicalism that seek to impose their will on others, especially with regard to sanctifying one type of relationship or one type of gender expression, should be held to account. I affirm that Christianity is of such broad public concern that it must expect to be held to account in multiple spheres, in public and in private. I affirm that identity is more about process than about the attainment of any supposedly perfect state. I affirm that the new tools of social media and other forms of digital media require constant reevaluation by individuals and by society. I affirm that very few, if any, labels can lay claim to a whole person for their whole life. I affirm all this and more 
as we all reckon with the intertwined legacies of capitalism, white supremacy, colonialism, and religions of empire, and attempt to forge new futures. There's no telling what will be popular or trendy in a month, a year, a decade. These things I affirm may not resonate with you, and that's okay. The things I renounce by using a term like exvangelical may not either. But those words can have value, even if only for a short while. And that impermanence, that's okay too. Most things are impermanent, after all, including us. There's so much happening, all at once, all the time. Ukraine is besieged by Russia. COVID continues. Anti-trans and anti-gay bills threaten vulnerable populations in Texas and Florida. I wrote recently for my newsletter that I want to move beyond what the media theorist Douglas Rushkoff calls present shock, a sense of being overwhelmed by everything happening in the present moment. And I'm less willing, or perhaps even less able, to do so in public, contending with not only the constant flow of information, but also the constant processing of one's own feelings as well as those of far-flung people online. All of these realities are simultaneously true, and the rituals, or even some of the concepts of symbols found in the rituals and rhythms of Lent, are valuable in moments like these, to explore the both-and, the denial and the affirmation, and to come to realize that our essence is both positive and negative simultaneously and that it all has value. Thank you for listening. New interviews are coming soon. I hope you enjoy this audio essay. There will be some more of them throughout the, the first half of the year as I continue to work on my book. If you want to support my work, you can do so at postevangelicalpost.com. You can subscribe for free or at 4 6 or $8 a month, and you'll get access to ad-free podcast feeds, a supporter discord, and subscriber-only posts. I donate 25% of net revenue each month to organizations that serve populations harmed by white evangelicalism. You can also follow me on Twitter at brchastain or on Instagram and TikTok at brchastain underscore. Please rate the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Exvangelical is part of Irreverent Media Group. You can find more shows over at irreverent.fm.